Arizona Sports is proud to present the Uprising Podcast. Uprising Podcast. Hello and welcome into the Uprising Podcast, a podcast about Phoenix Rising Football Club. I am your host, Jake Anderson. Today my guest is Phoenix Rising goalkeeper, Zach Lubin. Zach was my man of the match in last Saturday night's Western Conference semifinal in Reno. Now, despite giving away the opening goal inside 10 minutes on a pretty bad mistake, Lubin was able to overcome that and save 8 of Reno's 10 shots on target, 3 of which were one-on-ones. Not to mention, Zach was also the only goalkeeper to make a save in the penalty shootout win. Now, on Wednesday, Phoenix announced the reinstatement of manager Rick Schantz following a three-week administrative leave. And when it comes to the social and societal issues such as systemic racism and homophobia, I think Zach Lubin has been the most outspoken player on the team in wanting to be a source for positive change. So, without further ado, let me bring on Phoenix Rising goalkeeper, Zach Lubin. Hey, Zach, thank you so much for joining me. How are you, man? Doing very well, thanks. How about yourself? I am doing well, thanks. Um, I'm just going to cut right to the chase to get into it. Obviously, Rick is back from the administrative leave. Um, Mm -hmm. Just your thoughts on on having your manager back? Um, You know, it was a lot. Um, In both good and, uh, you know, tough ways. Uh, You know, at first, it was a lot of uncertainty. Um, You know, as helpful as it is to have your head coach back, uh, we weren't really sure, you know, what the response would be from the LGBTQ community, our own fans, uh, fans of the USL, soccer fans and non-soccer fans uh, from across the country, and even on a global scale. Um, You know, you saw when this happened, uh, it it made global headlines uh, that night and the next day, and uh, it was was tough. So, you know, not really knowing the repercussions of of what that decision was going to mean for us as a club um, and players, it was a a bit unnerving um, in the moment. Uh, you know, but, you know, now to see a mostly positive response from the announcement has been, has been calming, um, in that sense. Uh, but you know, I don't, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was, it was tough, you know, to come off such a high of Reno, um, after, you know, a hard couple of weeks, you know, on and off the field, um, you know, from San Diego game, from the Sacramento game and everything. So, you know, it kind of put us right back into that moment um, in San Diego when, when they stepped off the field and, you know, again, like never having experienced that. I don't think a lot of people have and something you are never ready to experience, um, you know, even from our side, from our team, you know, for San Diego and for Colin Martin, you know, not something you're ever ready to and prepared to deal with. Um, so that, you know, that made it tough. Uh, but after some time to reflect uh, and to use, it's been great to see uh, using this difficult moment of decision for good. Um, it was, you know, as a club, it would have been really easy to let the issue go and address it in the off season. But, you know, as a group and a club, we decided to attack this head on, um, you know, not fight it, but to address social issues and bring light to difficult conversations and prove to people that uh, no matter who you are, they have the ability to change um, and to learn and educate themselves and to correct mistakes um, that aren't exactly just, you know, your own fault, but, you know, the, these things happen from a long grooming of social, uh, you know, biases that we take in on a daily basis, especially, you know, for the older generation or, you know, us as we were younger. Um, So you have a lot of those biases kind of built in from society 
And so, you know, to have the ability to learn and correct mistakes is massive for the soccer community, um, that we can fight uh, injustice. And it's also a great lesson for our country um, as these issues don't just affect soccer players and soccer teams and clubs, but there are issues that continue to divide us, you know, across this country today. So, uh, you know, to see redemption, to see someone come back and work as hard as they have to educate and learn about, you know, something that probably made, makes a lot of people uncomfortable is, uh, is actually like really inspiring. So, you know, at first it was tough, but, uh, you know, now to see positive positivity come out of it, uh, it's been refreshing. You mentioned the, the response to the LGBT community and you mentioned Colin Martin. Colin, for you know, lack of a better term, he gave his blessing, so to speak. Um, what does that mean to you guys or to you personally? The, you know, like Colin said, you know, this, is a, this is a good thing to bring Rick back. Oh, exactly. And I, to me, it's everything. Um, you know, as someone who is an ally um, to the LGBTQ community, always doing, you know, playing for pride in different fundraisers, like when it took, you know, made me think twice about, you know, my allyship and what that actually means. Um, but, you know, to have Colin give his blessing is, is the most important thing because everyone is going to experience that moment differently, you know, whether you're in the LGBTQ community or not. Um, but the most important is, thing is for Colin, as someone who was discriminated against uh, on the field and has that happened to them, is awful. And the repercussions of not just that one moment, but also people attacking Colin on Twitter um, is horrendous. So for him to give his blessing, we can't, as allies or anybody else, can't say how he should feel, how anyone should feel and how to deal with this, except for him. And so it, it really is, you know, if he can move on and accept and forgive and see the positive things we are trying to doing to educate and learn, um, you know, that's really all we needed to, to move on is, is his blessing. And, you know, it's, it's shows how big of a person he is that he's willing to forgive and, um, and continue to move on. And I don't think he ever, you know, wanted to see, you know, Rick or junior get canceled, you know, because cancel culture has its issues in itself. Um, and that same culture is probably the ones who are asking for prison reform and people to be able to redemption and rehabilitation. And that's what this is, was a chance for Rick to redeem himself, for rehabilitate himself, to learn on the issues. And you can hear the way he speaks that he's really taken to heart, um, you know, his mistake and what he did and what he has to do to move on from it. Yeah, he was very emotional yesterday with the press conference with us. Um, I asked him, you know, how hard this has been for him and his family in the last three weeks. And, and he kind of just broke down and he, you know, he apologized. But he said, you know, when I when you mentioned my family and everything that he's been through this last three weeks, it made him very, very emotional. Um, speaking of that redemption, those qualities, you guys as a club uh, decided to forego hosting the final should you guys advance on Saturday. Uh, that's because the the club said it didn't feel right getting the three points mm -hmm. from the forfeit from San Diego. Um, obviously, from a competitor standpoint, I'm sure that's disappointing. But given the whole context of the situation, how does that make you guys feel as a club and you individually as a player? You know, to be honest, like, obviously, it's tough. We, you know, we, we dreamed and, I, and we're not even there yet. Um, and, you know, we have an opportunity to 
we'll lift a trophy at home this weekend. And that's our main focus. But yeah, we were very excited to host the final, um, especially having gone on the road and lost one. We knew how important home field advantage is, but to, you know, to lift that cup in front of our fans would have been fantastic. But to be honest, um, as what I would say, as a forward thinking inclusive club already, we as players had already looked at that situation um, and saw that, you know, we were three points ahead of Louisville and knowing that those three points, you know, probably came from San Diego. There was second half to be played, but ultimately three points we hadn't earned. Um, and that was definitely a topic of conversation uh, for us as players. And so to see, and we knew that there would be, if we were to host the final, a lot more negativity and repercussions for us. And so I think the club made the right choice. Uh, and, and, you know, we tried to forfeit the points. And so now, you know, we forfeited hosting that game. And I think it was the right thing uh, to do, no matter, you know, that makes it tougher on us. But we have a, a huge sense of belief um, in ourselves and that we can go anywhere and, uh, and win a game. And my last question about Rick getting brought back is just what's it like having him back in training? And it's honestly, it's not really uh, that much different. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're a club. No one person makes our club. Um, you know, no one person is more important than the others. And, you know, as we, you know, you see how much talent we bring in to be, you know, to our team as players, you know, next guy up. One person goes down, next person gets an opportunity. And, you know, that's really what it was. Blair stepped in and did a fantastic job. And, you know, a lot of us have had Rick as a coach for a long time. And we know the standards that have been set. We know the standards that this club is set. And we just continued working the same way we were with or without Rick. And so as a group, you know, we come together, we get the job done, no matter who's leading us, who's on the field or anything. Right, Zach, I appreciate you answering those tough questions. We'll move on to more on-the-pitch stuff. Um, going back to Reno, I should have asked you this right after the match on Saturday, but obviously you guys won in penalties. You did have a mistake early on. Personally, mentally, would you have put the blame on yourself if you guys didn't advance? You know, uh, yeah. And as a goalkeeper, regardless of whether that's a mistake that causes a goal or just giving up a goal um as goalkeepers is is difficult you know that's our job and whenever you get up a give up a goal no matter how good it is I think everyone every goalkeeper has a seat of doubt of like oh you know if I did this I could have saved her if I'd done that I could have saved it so I think we all take any goal personally um at least I do uh, but you know it would have been 10 times the you know the feeling because I did make that error um but in that same moment, you know, luckily it was early in a game and that I know our team has the ability to come back from and fight through that. And I put them in a tough spot, but knowing they have my back uh, was, was kind of easy to get through. And, and I, there was never really a doubt that that was going to be the deciding moment of, of the game for sure. So, you know, tough, but we, I knew there was going to be other moments. Yes, and there were certainly a ton of those moments that you came up big in for sure, making at least five massive saves by my count. You had eight total saves statistically, but as you said, having your teammates back as they have yours. What confidence does that performance after you made that mistake give you going into a Western Conference final? 
you know, uh, a, a ton. Um, we, you know, to play well and, you know, and part, I think part of the reason I was moving on was, you know, started the game off really well too. Uh, you know, good save down to my right through traffic, um, you know, collect across, you know, that's how goalkeepers always want to start a game. And I think because of that, I also had a lot of confidence after the mistake. Um, but I think just as a team in general, you know, to battle back 2-0 down to the number one seed on the road uh, says everything you need to know about our team and our confidence and our belief that no matter what situation we are in, we're going to win and we're going to find a way to get it done. So obviously the last two matches, you guys have had to play 120 minutes. Unfortunately, so is El Paso. So how are the boys' legs looking in training? And also how important is it that your opponent has also played just as long as you guys have? Uh, you know, it's, it's massive. Um, cause it's, that's heavy, especially, you know, on that field in Reno, uh, you know, baseball fields in general are very heavy and soft and tough on the legs. Um, so, you know, our key for two or three days now, you know, since that Saturday night from Saturday night to, you know, to today has just been recovery. Um, get healthy, get, get the legs back, um, recover and knowing that, we can we can maybe take a little extra time to work on our recovery because El Paso has gone through the same thing. They were home last weekend, but um, I guess they've been home for both. But they, you know they didn't have to travel, but that they are dealing with the same kind of fatigue um, as we are uh, as well. But you know once that whistle blows and it's a cup game, you know two back to back one twenties, not even uh, not even a thought. So the last time you guys played El Paso was August. You guys won three to one, but you didn't play. Uh, Canto started at left back. El Paso has also slightly changed their formation since. So what type of match are you expecting? Are you going to expect like Reno where it was pretty open and exciting, or do you expect them to be kind of like sacked to where you guys are going to have the ball a lot and just kind of have to break them down? Uh, you know, I think it's going to be more open. Um, they do a really good job of pressing but they also do a really good job of kind of sitting back into a mid block, um, absorbing some pressure and going. Um, and they're also an expansive football team, just like ourselves that they want to play and they want to be on the ball. And so I think it is going to be a bit more open. They're going to want to press and win the ball back and, and, and take it, you know, and sack where they, you know, some very older veteran experienced players, uh, you know, they have the, because sitting in and defending like that, is physically and mentally exhausting and it takes a ton of um you know effort and will to to sit in and absorb that pressure without getting pulled and stretched out so uh you know i think it's going to be a little bit more open and they're a really good side and i know we have the home field advantage but uh that was a tough game then and we can look back at that and learn but it's uh you know we're going to try and dictate the game um you know from ourselves and that's what we always want to do we don't want to really adjust to other teams but uh, you know, put our mark on the game. So other than the classic Rambo answer of score more goals than the other team, what is the key to beating this El Paso side and advancing to your second final in three seasons? Uh, starting off fast. Uh, I think we've, we've kind of been struggling a little bit there, starting the game off uh, fast, you know, and, and Rambo says score goals. We, you know, we all want to score goals as a goalkeeper. I think the biggest thing is, you know, to not put ourselves in the position that we did in Reno, um, to not go down early, 
you know, we want to be on the front foot uh, from the jump, but, you know, understanding that, you know, zero, zero uh, is very important, you know, going into the second half and, and just keeping a clean sheet on our end is, is massive. And to win a game one, zero in the playoffs is, you know, all we need. Again, we, we keep talking like you guys are already in the final. Um, I guess media guys like me tend to do that um, on behalf of you guys almost. But looking ahead, um, should you guys play Louisville? A, would be a rematch of 2018. But B, obviously you didn't play in that match. So what would it mean to you personally to A, get that rematch, excuse me, to A, get that rematch, but also get that start? Uh, you know, just excitement. Um you know, one thing, whether it's a final playoff game or a regular season game, my preparation is the same. Um, there's nothing different that I can do. Uh, I think I prepare for every regular season game as if it's a final two. So then when you get there, uh, you know, there's nothing different. You just go through your same routine. Um, and then, you know, we had that first year, the team we had, you know, to have dids was really hurt to fall short, um, you know, and to get some redemption, you know, for some of those guys would be, you know, massive. And then also exciting because they have a gorgeous new stadium, um, you know, a great surface would love to play on it where, you know, we're playing at, we were first, we weren't sure where we're playing. Are we playing in a baseball stadium? We're playing at the university. You go to that university, the field was not in great condition. It was freezing cold. And so from that perspective, it's going to be, you know, very, very different as well and a different feel. And, you know, to be in an environment that Louisville creates um, is, is a lot of fun. So, you know, there's, there's so much that goes into that game. Yes, I, I feel like you have thicker skin when it comes to weather being from Montana. I'm from here and I was at the Louisville game two years ago. I was sitting next to Jose Bosch who was wearing a beanie inside. So just – for you that weren't there, that's how cold it was that night. Um, so on the other side of the coin, obviously, is Tampa. Tampa A plays in a baseball stadium, which brings that question to not necessarily so much of, you know, which team would you prefer, but kind of all the mm. other things you have. Better weather is going to be in Tampa than in Louisville. But um, as you said about the baseball field, yeah. it's going to be a better pitch in Louisville. So I guess here's a third part. You have a former teammate also on Tampa. Um, have you guys been talking to Mustafa at all as, uh, as you guys get closer? Um, you know, one thing I will give, uh, I believe Tampa no longer plays baseball on that field at all. So it is, you know, you're not going to have to deal with the turf, uh, you know, on the infield. And I assume, I would hope, I guess this is a great question, you know, for Damian, who played at Tampa, for um, Darnell, who played at Tampa, you know, that's a question for them and see what the field is going to be like. But I assume it plays more like a soccer field now than a baseball field. Um, me and Mustafa uh, have not been in touch lately. Um, but a guy I've been in touch with all year in terms of, you know, social justice and what we're doing on the field um, in our protests for Black Lives Matter, for the LGBTQ community. So we've talked a lot about that, those issues, uh, which has been fantastic because it's been a countrywide or, you know, movement of soccer players and all these clubs wanting to, to promote social justice and equality. Um, but lately I've not, I'd probably reach out, but to have Darnell and Damien uh, with that experience in Tampa is huge. So, you know, when we go to Louisville, there's a few of us who know, you know, what that trip is going to be like, what it'll entail, you know, and, and how Louisville plays. 
Uh, and, you know, the same, we can take so much experience from Darnell and Damien to tell us what it's going to be like, you know, to, to even know, you know, how are the accommodations at the hotel to know, you know, where are we going to be at in the city to know how we're going to be training, you know, what the field is like, uh, just all those things are things that are unknown for us, but they can help us understand and comprehend. And so we have a little bit better idea going into it. So something I didn't even realize until I looked at it was there's only four players remaining from that 2018 final side, which is pretty incredible when you see how much success you guys have had in the following years. I mean, what does it say about the guys who A, have, have stayed, which by the way are, are you, Solo, Kevin Lambert, and Joey Farrell, and then you know all 20 of your other teammates who have come in and, and gotten you this far? Uh, you know, it's, it's we, me and Farrell um, – have became really good friends over these couple of years. Um, and we, that's something we talk about often. And even though there's only four of us, it's, it feels like, you know, it almost feels like we're all still together um, just because of the unity and camaraderie that, and the culture of Phoenix rising creates of this family that we have. And so, yes, guys are coming in and out, but like the players we bring in step in almost seamlessly um, into the group and we've maintained that that unity and family feel um, so it you know even though it's been different it doesn't feel all that uh, different and just you know for us that's a great it's a great uh, little bit of advice that we can bring to guys who haven't been in cup games haven't been in finals you know and what it's like to win western conference finals and then what it's like to lose you know a championship and how difficult that is so you know, that experience in Solo, who's, you know, has all the experience in the world, uh, you know, to keep him around has been has been massive in, in terms of that. So, you know, the four of us are excited and, um, you know, it's still for us the same club and the same family that we went into the championship in 2018 with. Well, Zach, I appreciate you very much for a taking the time out of your day, but also to, to talk to me about some pretty, pretty tough subjects. I think. Although your your professional title is goalkeeper, I think if the team were to select one player, I think it would be you to to be the one to to speak on behalf of the team in terms of you know the racial uh, injustices that we faced earlier this year, and now the the homophobic slur incident um, that we've seen. I I just think that you've done a good job of that, and and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about you know not just footy but but some tough stuff as well this year. Hey, of course, um, you know, happy to happy to do it and just doing everything in my power to help. Uh, you know, we have a fantastic platform as athletes um, and, you know, I want to use that platform for good. And, you know, that's that's my main goal. And it's I think, you know, something that comes with age and experience uh, because they are difficult conversations and being comfortable with yourself and and where you stand in life um, is is massive. And I know, you know, how much good our club does and all the players across the community and across any social justice line, you know, we've, we've always been, I think at the forefront in supporting, supporting anyone we can. So, um, you know, thanks for having me on and I, I appreciate it, the kind words and we keep spreading the positive love and positivity. Right, absolutely. And, and thank you again for coming on Zach. Good luck against El Paso on Saturday night. I will see you there and hopefully you guys will be lifting another Western conference final trophy. Great. Thanks for having me on, Jake. And uh, maybe we can have another one next week. Hopefully. Hopefully we can have a Fika talk next week. Exactly. So, all right, Jake. Have a good rest of your day and look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Thanks, Zach. You too.
Thanks. Bye. See ya. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Uprising Podcast. Phoenix Rising's next match is Saturday at Casino Arizona Field against El Paso Locomotive in the Western Conference Final. Kickoff is set for 7.30 p.m., and you can catch all the action on ESPN 620 AM or via audio stream on ArizonaSports.com and the Arizona Sports app. Now, Saturday night's Western Conference Final will also be Phoenix's last home match of 2020. Earlier this week, the club gave away the rights to host the final after the three points the club received from San Diego's forfeit allowed them to do so once they defeated Reno to become the highest remaining seed. So, should Phoenix advance to the USL Championship Final on November 1st, Rising will travel to play the winner of the Eastern Conference between Louisville City and the Tampa Bay Rowdies. For all things Phoenix Rising, be sure to head over to ArizonaSports.com, download the new Arizona Sports app, and you can also follow me on Twitter at JWA1994. Until next time, ci vediamo, a dopo, ciao.